All right. Well, hey, everybody. Really, really good to see you. And uh, thank you. And it really is good to be back. And uh, thank you for praying for me. It was an honor to pray for you. While I was away, those who gave prayer requests and those of you who prayed for me for this study break, it's such an important time of the year to pray and plan and look ahead at the year. And, uh, and this was the most productive study break I've ever had. I uh, was able to do kind of series planning for between now uh, until next study break next year and wrote a book even. And, uh, and my mom's already promised to buy two copies. So we got that going for me. And, um, and so thank you. And I'm, I'm excited. You know, as I go through those series, like every week, I'm like, ooh, I want it to be that week. I want it to be that week now. Like, I, you know, just it's going to be a cool year. And uh, starting next week with our, you just saw uh, the trailer for Thank God It's Monday uh, series. Let me encourage you to dive into that with both feet to make, I mean, most of our waking hours are, whether we work at home as a parent or in some other way or work in a typical work environment or a student, I mean, that's where we spend most of our waking time. And, and God, that, that's important. It, it's, it's, God wants that to be a place where we flourish and where we engage what he's doing and have a much, much more elevated view of our life in that arena. And so um, let me encourage you uh, to show up, uh, to invite people. When you see the trailer on our social media pages, share it to people. And because uh, it's, it's I'm, I'm looking forward to I think God's going to do some cool things. And today is a unique week because today we're focused on our Really, our purpose, this is Vision Weekend, our mission to remind us, hey, this is what we do. And, and this is where we believe God's taking us. And if you are new in our church, and a lot of times in the summer people you know, come in new, this is, a, this is a great weekend. I mean, for those of us who've been around a while, it's really important. But for those of you who are new, it's an opportunity. You're trying to guess what we're all about when you're new, right? And, and you won't have to guess anymore. I mean, it's just going to say, this is what we do. And a lot of times people want us to do all kinds of things. And just so you know, when we get to the end, like, this is it. This is all we do. And it's a lot. And God empowers it. But it's just what we do. And so today, um, just a, a very important week. And it comes at a unique time in our culture where there's just so much going on in our culture. And, it can, and, and when you think about the future, it can feel pretty dim. You know, like all, all the problems we have and all the stuff we're going through. Like we just heard the song, the Fleetwood Mac song, Don't Stop Thinking About Tomorrow. Don't stop. It'll soon be here. It'll be here better than before. Yesterday's gone. Yesterday's gone. And when you think about the future, I mean, today we're talking about our best days are ahead. But it, that can be a little hard to believe. Right? Like when you think, like if, if you and I could look into the future, like if binoculars worked that way, where you could look into the future... You know, would you even want to? Like, I'll try it now, but um, yeah, I don't see the future. I do see you've got something right here. Yeah, I'm just kidding. It's on this side. Yeah, no, I, um, but right, you can't look into the future. But, I, but if you could, would you even want to? Like, it, it feels like maybe sometimes in culture with all the polarization and all the difficulties and all the, you know, all this stuff going on, that it's like, man, I, I don't even, it's like looking at a train wreck. I'm not sure I want to see what's ahead, you know? And, um, in the New York, no, yes, New York Times did this study, nationwide study, massive study, uh, just weeks ago. And what they found is that only 13% of Americans are excited about our future. Only 13% of Americans feel like we're going a direction that's going to end up in a good place. 
That means 87% of Americans are like, yeah, I don't like where this is heading. Now, all of them have very different ideas about what they would prefer. But 87% of Americans are like, future is not going to be so good. I don't like where this thing's headed. And what I want to do today is for those of us who know Jesus or are even open to the prospect of knowing Jesus, to look at the world through a different lens and, and to look at the future differently. Because if you and I are willing to join God in what he's doing in the world through the church, his mission, I would hope that by the end of it, even our talk today, that 100% of us would be like, you know what? I'm pumped about the future. Because God calls us to join him in creating a better future for us and for our community and for our world. And God, you think, well, what's happening in the world? What's going to happen? Jesus told us, I will build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. Jesus is working. He's doing his thing. And you and I have the opportunity to engage and be part of that. And so today what we want to do is say, well, what is God doing? Like, what is he up to? What would it mean for you and I to engage it? And what would it look like to have a hope for the future and to be part of building it? And, and Jesus talked about this when he was on the planet with his original disciples, you know, the 12 disciples, happy, sleepy, grumpy, you know, the 12 disciples. And, uh, and, and he, it was a very important conversation. We call it the Last Supper because it was the last time he was with those disciples who had been with him for three and a half, four years every day. This was, this was the last dinner, last time with them, before he would be, later that night he would be arrested. The next day he would be crucified. Three days later, be raised from the dead. Forty days after that, he would ascend and go to heaven, where he is now. One day he'll return. But he's letting them know in that dinner that he was, he was splitting. He was leaving. He was, that he was going to leave them. And he was going to leave them with the mission. And he was going to send the Holy Spirit, who's God, you know, God is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Jesus is the Son of God. He's going to send the Holy Spirit to empower them. He's going to leave the mission with them. And he tells them, hey, I know, I know this is troubling to hear that I'm leaving. But it's better for you that I go. And for them, they're like, what? How's it better? I mean, imagine being one of those 12 disciples for those three, four years. I mean, how cool would that have been? 24-7, they were with Jesus. So they now understood not only to be a good rabbi... But they understood to be God in human flesh, their creator. They're spending every day, all the time. They see all the miracles, all the teaching. All, I mean, just this incredible experience they've had. And now Jesus is saying, yeah, that's over. That's not going to happen. And if anybody ever had a reason to say the best days are behind me, it was them. But Jesus is going to let them know, no, the, your best days are not behind you. Your best days are ahead of you. Trust me. It, it, because he says, when I leave, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And then he gives this passage. And he says, you guys are going to be involved in things that are way beyond your imagination. Here's what he says in John 14, 12. Very truly, I tell you. And he says, very truly, I tell you, because what he's going to say is hard to believe. Like if a used car salesman says, I'm telling you the truth. Test it, right? But when Jesus says, I'm telling you the truth. He's God, right? He's telling you the truth, but it's hard to believe. He says, whoever believes in me. Now, when he says whoever believes in me, he's not just talking about the 12 disciples. He's talking about those who would come to believe through the centuries. I mean, you and me, who've come, if you've come to believe, and I know some of you are in process, 
But if you've come to believe in Jesus and you're a Jesus follower, he's talking about you. And he says, very true, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing and they will do greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. He says, because I'm going to the Father, I'm leaving you with a mission. I'm sending the Holy Spirit to empower you and you will do greater things than even you've seen me do. Now, they had to be thinking, what? Because they'd seen Jesus do all kinds of things, raise people from the dead. They saw him heal all kinds of diseases, deal with demons and all the spiritual stuff. They heard this incredible teaching. They saw him make storms go away. They saw him walk on water. I mean, they saw him do all these amazing things. And Jesus is saying, yeah, if you believe in me and you join me in what I'm doing, you'll do greater things than these. Like, and when I hear that, it's like, how, like, what does that mean? And when I first hear it, I can think, it's like, well, Jesus is, is sort of slapping a Superman label on us to make supermen and superwomen who are doing good these incredible things. Like, yeah, like when I was a kid, I grew up with the Justice League on Saturday mornings, and I'd eat, you know, cereal, which for me was Fruit Loops, yeah, on Saturday mornings, and watch the Justice League and dream about which one would I be, and and that kind of thing. And uh, and and I think I would choose. Well, go ahead and show it. I think. I think Superman would be cool, right? Uh, it, it can look like Super Jeff, you know? And, uh, and it, it's cool to think about, right? Being Super Jeff. And, and I'd be doing these incredible mirrors and all. But that's not what Jesus was saying. What Jesus was saying, and, and what he, he'd already told his disciples what he would do. I've already alluded to it. He said, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That what he was talking about is not, he wasn't creating supermen and superwomen. What he was doing was creating a new super community called church. That he would give the mission to, pour out his spirit. And, and so that through the church would change the world in ways that are far greater than Jesus did. Because Jesus was, he, had a, he took on human flesh. So he, was one, he could be at one place at one time. So, cool, if you happen to be where, if you were at the right place at the right time and you ran into Jesus, your life was changed forever, and that was incredible. But you had to be at the right place at the right time because he was one place at one time. And what Jesus is saying is it's not the way it's working anymore. Now, I'm, I'm pouring out my spirit into every believer collectively in the church, and I'm asking you to reach the world and change the world. And God, through the church, is going to do greater things than even if I stay here and hang out and walk around and you know, teach and heal people. Like, you're going to be involved in something way bigger, way more profound. And they understood that eventually and they were. And so when Jesus ascends to heaven, he tells him to wait for the Holy Spirit to come. On the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit does come. The church is formed. The Holy Spirit empowers them. Uh, immediately, the church goes from 120 people, 3,000 people come to know Jesus that one afternoon. 3,100, they had mega church. If some of you hate mega church and you know, people talk about it, the church was a mega church day one. Um, I don't care if it's small or big. I love all of them. But... But God, you know, that God made that happen. But that just was the start as they began to plant churches and start churches and all over the world. Just in a matter of decades, the whole world was impacted as they were doing greater things and, and being the hands and feet of Jesus, moving into hopelessness and injustice and need and helping people understand how they can come to know God, have a relationship with God because of what Jesus did and what he came to, and what he came to do. They were involved in the greater things. And their world was 
much better on the other side of that. As God was using them to create a whole new, experience, a whole new future. And you and me 2,000 years later have the choice if we choose to believe and give our lives to that same mission. You and I get to be part of that something bigger. To be part of the greater things. And not just look at our world and be like, oh no. But to look at our world and say, okay God, here we go. Because he is always at work and he invites us to join him. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And yeah, this is an unusual time. We'll talk about that. In, in American history, when it comes to Christianity and all, it's, this is a critical five-year period, I think, in our culture, for churches, for Christianity, for, this, for our, our culture. And you and I get to be part of the new things that God is going to do if we choose to do that. And a lot of churches are going to resist and try to go back to the past and in fear and just, man, our best days are behind us. We just need to go, you know, try to live in the past and kind of, you know, create little safe haven churches that are us against the world and try to fight and all that. And that's not Jesus. And what Jesus would compel us to do is to say, no, I, I want you to be part of this ongoing movement of radical love. Jesus said, this is how people know that you're my followers if you love the way you've seen me love. To be a movement of radical love on this planet to change this world. And so I want to talk about how we word that mission. The mission was given to us by Jesus 2,000 years ago. We didn't make up our mission. Our founder is alive, and he gave us our mission, and each you know, church can word it just a little bit differently, but, and we'll talk about ours. But I, I, I'm going to go through our, our kind of what is the mission, like what would that be? And as I do, some of you might feel just a little bit cynical, like, wait a minute, I think there's a hidden agenda here. Like, you're, you know, this guy wants to trick me into you know, giving my life to this or jumping into this. And, and let me just tell you, it's not a hidden. That is my agenda. Yes. I, I want you to dive in with both feet. And you don't have to, but the invitation is there. Why wouldn't you? I mean, I'm happy to give my life to this thing. And, and I, I, hopefully by the end, you'll either be like, yeah, I'm in or I'm not. That's okay. But the invitation is there. And so what is the mission? Well, here's the way we word it. And then we'll break it down. We inspire people to follow Jesus and together change our world for good. That's what we do. And we get pulled, you know, to do all kinds of other stuff. And they're not, and a lot of times they're a great idea. People are like, why don't we do this? Or why don't we do it? And, and they're, they're not a bad thing. Like, but I'd say, there's organizations that do that. You can do that. But it's just not what we do because it's not like we don't get to decide. Jesus gave us our marching like he gave us the this is his thing and this is what he's called us to do so this is what we do we inspire people to follow jesus and together change our world for good let me break it down so first says we inspire people and inspire is really about tone and we believe tone is really important because the new testament says it is and talks a lot about it we want jesus to set our tone and what that means is that uh, how we engage culture and all that is going to be grace-oriented and love-filtered because that's Jesus. And so, you know, if you want a place where you'll be shamed into stuff or pressured into stuff or yelled into stuff, not going to happen here because it's just not the way Jesus rolled. He created a sense of suction, like a sense of pull, uh, not push. And you can take it or leave it. But we inspire people. We inspire people to do what? To follow Jesus. 
We inspire people and follow Jesus. That's the point of this. Is that we want to inspire, to invite everybody to consider knowing Jesus and patterning our lives after him and following him and living his better way. And we inspire people to follow Jesus. And notice it's not we inspire people who follow Jesus, but we inspire people to follow Jesus. And meaning our goal is not just to collect a bunch of people who follow Jesus and inspire each other. I mean, that's cool, I guess. But but the mission is to inspire people to follow Jesus who don't and who do. Right. The whole gamut of spirituality that, you know, the mission that Jesus gave when he told the disciples in Matthew 28, he said, make disciples or make followers of all the nations. When he told them that, you know how many Jesus followers there were in the nations? Zero. So when he said make disciples of the nations, he wasn't talking about go collect Christians. He's talking about go where there nobody knows Jesus. There, there's nobody who goes to church. There's nobody. And you go and do church in a way that can reach people who don't go to church. Reach people who don't know Jesus, who are far from God. Do what you do with the mission in mind. And, and therefore we do. And we are a church purposefully built, not just for those of us who already know Jesus, but for those who don't. We're a church, not just for those who are church, but for those who don't go to church. And who are disillusioned with church or whatever. Like we're a church for people who don't go to church. And sometimes, it's, and it, it's fascinating to me that it happens, but it happens a lot, that we get friendly fire from people for being that kind of church. And, and so some, even nice, in a nice way, like people say things like, you know, I, I, man, I, I think Chase Oaks is great. I mean, you guys are, you know, it's a place I can invite my friends who don't go to church or who don't, you know, kind of skeptical about things and, and all that. And, and that's really cool. But, but I really, I, I feel like I need a church that is built for Christians and, and built around Christians and, you know. And all I can say to that is, wow. I, um, I'm not sure you understand what church is in the heart of Jesus, who came not for those who were found, but for those who were lost. We, we don't have a choice. Like, this is his heartbeat. Like, even the way we, so it influences everything we do. Like, even the way we do what we're doing right now, or the gathering, church services, we do those, not just with Christians in mind, we do but for those who don't know Jesus in mind as well. And, um, and because it's biblical. You know, the, the only, the only, we have almost nothing in the New Testament about how to do what we're doing right now that gives instructions about how to do church services. You would think there would be, but there's, not, there's, there's hardly anything about how to do church services. And, um, and I think that's on purpose, so we'd have freedom in different cultures to do... You know, we're told to gather and to worship and to teach and all that. But it doesn't say how, except one of the exceptions is very specific. And 1 Corinthians 14 is about what we're talking about right now, is to consider to do church for people who don't go to church. So what was happening in Corinth is they loved a certain thing that, I mean, they were really into this thing called speaking in tongues. You ever heard about that? And some of you want me to talk about it now. You're like, what? I want, what do you think about that? You know, and, uh, and I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to go there. And part of our DNA is we don't sweat the small stuff. We have people who think that's great, people who think that's weird, and everything in between and whatever. But what we do know is that, and Google it if you don't know what I'm talking about. It'll be interesting. But, uh, <laughs> but when, uh, so the church was getting together, and they loved that, right? That was their thing, and they would speak in these, you know, crazy stuff. And... And people, as part of their worship, and it was their preference, and it's how they wanted to do church. And Paul says, stop it. Don't do that. Speaking tongues is fine. Do, do that, but not in the gathering. Because when outsiders come in, 
people who don't know Jesus and they come into the gathering and they're like, it disconnects them from God, from everything. You're being so weird. Stop it. You know, be weird somewhere else. Do that somewhere else. That's fine. And really, it's fine. Like, do it some, But not in the gathering because people don't understand that. And, it, and it's off-putting. And we're not here just for us. We're here for those who aren't here yet. And so, therefore, what he's saying is, the principle is, not, don't just do church for church people. In fact, you may have to change your preferences, church people, for those who don't go to church. And so if you wonder why we do certain things, certain kinds of music, certain kinds, it's because it's not just about us, it's about those who've yet to come, because that's the heart of Jesus. And it's his church. And so, yeah, we're going to be that kind of church. And it's really important to be that, for us to be that kind of church. But we also care about those who know Jesus, too, right? We want people to grow deeper in the faith. We're a come as you are, church, not stay as you are. We want people to grow. We want people to grow deeper in the faith, deeper in their knowledge of the Bible, deeper in their, uh, uh, you know, deeper in their understanding of how to live the Christian life, which is why we're a church built around groups, because we believe transformation happens best in the context of community. And if you're not in a group, let me encourage you to dive into that. Um, you'll see lots of things actually coming this fall to try to say, hey, let's make sure we're discipling people, we're teaching people, training people well. That's really important to us. But it's also along the whole spiritual gamut. Make sense? So we inspire people to follow Jesus. He's the one that unites us, which gets us to the other part, and together change our world for good. Let's talk about together real quick. So by together, we mean a group of people who are together that normally would not be together. Meaning, a, a, meaning people who are very diverse, who would normally not group together, because the way people, humans naturally group is we group with people who are just like each other. That's normal, right? Everybody just kind of hangs out with people who look like them, think like them, vote like them, whatever, right? You just, and, and, we, and that's the normal thing. But that is not church. Jesus prayed one thing for the church in John 17. This is the only thing he prayed for, for you and me, um, in this, when he was on the planet that we know of. And here's what he prayed. He said, I pray that those who come to believe, that's us, will be one. God, just like you and I, just like he and the Father are one, so that the world will know that you indeed sent me into the world. And what he was saying is this, that the way a skeptical world will know that Christianity is something worth looking at is if you and I have a remarkable unity, not the kind of unity that happens everywhere else, but a diverse unity, people who would normally not be together, but who are together and love one another and respect one another and learn from one another and listen to one another. And in a polarized world, and it was polarized 2,000 years ago, just like it is now, that a world would be like, wow, where else does that happen? And that's one of the things that happened 2,000 years ago. Church was the first kind of community that was slave or free back in those days. Didn't matter. Jew, Gentile, this race, that race, man, woman, rich, poor, just didn't matter. Everybody was together and had things in common and loved one another. And the world had never seen that kind of community. And it's part of what won the world over. And that's what Jesus prayed for. And imagine if, we're, if we'd be able to do that now. It's such a polarized world that is so hungry for to see something else. And that's what church is. And therefore, and we want to increasingly be that. We believe there's beauty and diversity and, and if, if you want a church that is, is just, you know, sort of the same people who look alike, who think alike, who sort of are on their little echo chamber and talk about people outside their group as crazy, and, and uh, that's not us. And, and therefore, let me encourage you just to say, man, if, if you want to be part of building something that is diverse, where we honor each other, 
for our differences and we learn from each other and listen to each other and we realize what we have in common is not our race, is not our culture, is not, I mean, those things are great. They, you know, diversity builds uh, uh, richness in it, but is, is not politics, is not socioeconomic, that what unites us is Jesus. And that's why we're together. So together, to change our world for good. That we're not just here to hang out. We're here to be part of what God is doing in this world. And yeah, the world's dark. And yeah, the world's messed up. But Jesus is at work. And he invites us to join him to change our world for good. That's the invitation. To say, come change the world. Let's do this. Because when Jesus came, he came to do a couple things. To reconcile people to himself. To make it possible for us to know God. To do away with the guilt of sin and to know him. And people need to know that's a message that we have to share. And to be part of what he's doing and restoring to this world what sin has ruined and, 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 and is messed up in this broken world. We all feel the brokenness. And he came to start the process of redemption and restoration. And when Jesus returns, he'll make a new heaven and a new earth. He'll complete the job. But in the meantime, he invites you and me to be part of his restoration work, to move into hopelessness, to move into need, to move into injustice, to move into darkness with hope and love and light. And that's why around here, you know, every one of our groups, everyone has that component to it because that's what Jesus calls us to do. Like the local good center, we started in November. Um, It's not even a year old yet. But you know the reason we started that is as we engage needs in the community, realize, hey, we could keep dealing with symptoms of problems or we could actually solve problems. And the local good center is there not only to help people in poverty, but to get people out of poverty. Into a place of flourishing. And there's a place for charity to help people in poverty. And we'll do that. But this is really about saying, no, we're going to, there are certain things that people need to get over that, that we can help bridge so that they get out of poverty and into a place of flourishing and into a place of dignity. And about 500 of you are already involved in that volunteering. Thank you for that. And let me encourage you, if you're not, to dive in and to jump in. There is, uh, it, it's cool. Um, but we want to change our world for good. And that's the invitation. And 2,000 years ago, those early believers understood that, and they turned their world upside down. And the headwinds that they had are so much bigger than the headwinds we have. Like they were this tiny little group of people that everybody hated. And you and I now, in our culture, it is different. I mean, you know, we, it used to feel like the wind was at our back as Christians in, in American culture. You know, we just kind of, and now realize, no, you know, we now face a very skeptical world. And, and, and we're in the middle of, especially in the emerging generations, the, the largest exodus of people from Christianity that in, in American church history. As people are like, as we're now seen as the bad people, not the good people and all, you know. And, uh, and there's lots of reasons for that. That's a whole other sermon, and it's our problem, and, and we need to solve it by restoring what Jesus asked us to do and being his movement of love on this planet. I, I, I told you I wouldn't preach it, and I'm about to. But, uh, but yeah, we've got some headwind. And that's why you can look at the world and say, oh, no, I don't know what's going to happen, right? And, and we'll talk a little bit more about this, but you and I can either resist, I think, the new thing that God is up to over these next years, or we can be open to the new stuff. We can try to do church as always, which I think is going to be increasingly ineffective, or 
We can say, no, God, I, we're going to do the same mission, but we're going to be open in our model of ministry and our methods of ministry. And we're going to try things. Some of them are going to work. We're going to try things. Some of them are going to work. That's okay. But we're going to figure out how to love people, how to win this world over to Jesus, and how to, be, and how to move into need and darkness and actually make a real difference. And, and it means going into, a, there, there's going to be, I think, two kinds of churches that are going to come. It's already see it happen. One is sort of the, the safe haven church that is really fear motivated. It's sort of us against the world. And, and we're going to create this little environment for us to protect our family, protect our world from this big, bad world. And, uh, and kind of get into the culture war stuff. And, all. and that's one way to do it. That's not who we want to be. We'll be animated by love and join Jesus in the new thing that he's going to do. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. It's going to be cool. Um, and it means, it, it means innovating, not just doing what we've always done. Up until 2019, the disruption of the pandemic and now post-pandemic world that's never existed before, we were just kind of getting better at doing what we knew how to do. And that was kind of easy. But now that world doesn't exist anymore. I mean, we were really good at reaching a world that doesn't exist anymore. So now we get to learn and be open to the new stuff that, that Jesus will do. And so let me invite you to something that we're, we'll get really specific about some of those things. So Saturday, um, go ahead and put the thing up there, the slide. And I want you to get out your phone. Normally I tell you, hey, it's rude. Stay off your phone. But this time, get out your phone and go ahead and, and, and do the, use the QR code there. If you're online, it should be easy to do, too. Um, Vision Saturday, which is a week, you know, next week, um, on Saturday from 9 to 11 at every campus, uh, Richardson will join um, the campus here at Legacy because uh, they can't use the, their location on a Saturday um, at the Y. And it'll be an opportunity to really just get really more specific about, hey, what's coming up? And what are some of the new things that we believe God wants us to do and try? And if you're a leader, let me beg you to be there. But it doesn't matter if you are, a, whether you're a leader or not, it, it's going to take all of us. You know, part of our mission statement is we. It starts with we, because that's the church. The church isn't somebody else. It's not some organization. It's just you and me. That's all it is. And the only way this is going to happen is if we follow Jesus to do what he's called us to do. And so let me invite you. I want you to know what's coming up. I want you to be part of it. It'll be an invitation for all of us to think uh, differently and all of us to be innovative in the way we do relationships and the way you lead and the way we, you serve or whatever you're involved in. So that'll be important. You can, don't, the reason registers for childcare. So that's from 9 to 11 at, uh, at all of our campuses. And as I said, man, that, this is the mission that God has called us to. And I am going to invite you to just dive in with both feet. And what does that look like? Like, what does it mean to be fully engaged around here? Well, it means five things. And, uh, and I'll just share with them briefly. The first is worshiping, belonging, serving, giving, and inviting. Uh, by worshiping, check it off. You're already doing it. Look at you. You're way ahead. Uh, you're in, you know, as we gather together... This is not, uh, th this is a discipline that God asked us to do, to gather together and hear from God together, encourage God together. And let me encourage you to make it a priority. Um, I know for so many people in our culture through the pandemic, this is no longer a discipline, right? It's just one that's kind of 
There's a lot of people drifting out there, right? And let me encourage you to reach out to people. Um, I did this week. I reached out to somebody that I just hadn't seen in forever and reached out to him. We ended up getting together. And, uh, and he's like, man, thank you so much because he's just been drifting. And he's like, I'm disconnected. I'm not at a good place. And I need to get back in. And I think there's a lot of people like that. But let me encourage you to, to make the Because one thing that happens is God speaks in the life of our church is he's taking us somewhere each week. It's not just that we get to apply the Bible and individually, but also as a church. Like, there's something each week he's speaking in the life of our church. And when we miss that, then we kind of get out of the flow of what God is doing. And so whether it's online or in person, worshiping, uh, belonging, being a group. We talked about that. Serving. God's given you gifts and abilities and an opportunity. for One of the reasons God led you here is to serve and help make it happen. Um, Giving financially. And I know some of you, when you say, oh, see, that's why I bet that's a whole point of this talk. And, uh, and if that's where you're at, don't give here. Give somewhere else. But um, for those of us who are part of this, man, we, we gladly, I mean, God tells us to do that, to give, set aside a percentage. You choose a percentage of income to give, to be generosity driven in our financial life and, uh, and be part of what God's doing there. So to give. Uh, inviting. Everything we do is an invitational opportunity. Uh, certainly all of these series and all of our groups and everything we do is an invitational opportunity, but also just where you are to realize, hey, you're there as God's person to invite people to consider how they can have a relationship with God and to be ready to have that conversation about what, how God's done that for you. Let me encourage you to dive in with both feet. And, and if you do, and if we do, like if we're, I want us to imagine just a little bit, think, look into the future from a divine perspective. Because when we look at what's going on right now, I know it's easy to kind of have a dim view of the future. But if you look about it, if you look at it from, hey, what is God up to in the world through the church? You come at it through a very different lens. You're like, wow, we get to be part of that? Because right now is a unique time in American church history. It's an inflection point in our culture. I've been doing ministry a long time. I'm 55, so I'm not ancient. Some of you are like, yeah, you are. <laughs> Some of you are like, no, you're not. But, you know, depending on where you're coming from. I did reach a milestone, though. I got hurt. I was uh, mountain biking uh, with my son, who's 29, and he stayed upright, and I did not. We were going downhill at Hill at Vail. I was trying to keep up with him, and I shouldn't have. And I fell and, you know, scraped myself up. And, but here's the milestone. He, he said, Dad, you know, it used to be like growing up when you fell and you got hurt, it was kind of funny. But now it's just kind of sad. <laughs> it's like, oh, my God. Like, I just I feel like I'm 120 years old right now. Like, I just, oh, man. So, I'm, you know, you know, take it for what it is. But when I look at the next five years of ministry, I've done this a long time. But for the next five years of ministry, it's such a crucial time for the church in America. Um, but I've never been more excited about a period of time in this next five years. Because I think what our culture is rejecting is not Jesus. I know that. They're rejecting a perversion of it, of him. What our, as churches, as we, we've gotten a little bit, we've you know, just gotten a little bit off mission. And it's an opportunity for us to get solidly on mission solidly center on Jesus, to live out the brand, which is love people the way you've seen me love people, to do that in an authentic way. And our world is desperate for that.
And if you and I will build the kind of community that Jesus wants us to build and love in ways that he wants us to love and live like Jesus in an authentic, genuine way, I think what we're going to see five years from now and over these years is a major turning to Jesus. And we'll get to be part of that. I think it's going to be awesome. It's going to be challenging. We're going to try some things that don't work. We're going to find some things that do. It's going to, we're going to have to depend on God in ways that we didn't used to feel like we had to. And it's going to be great. And imagine if we are part of that. And imagine if you are and your family. Like if we really give ourselves to this, then you and I will be able to pass on to our kids and our grandkids a genuine relationship with Jesus that they'll, they'll just walk right into for their whole life. And we'll all have stories to tell. I mean, five years, we'll, we'll be in heaven even in eternity and be like, man, remember that? Like, remember 2025? That was nuts what God did. So cool to be part of that. If you wonder what's happening in our world today and you know what's happening, I will build my church, Jesus said, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That's what's happening. And he invites us to join him. So what I want us to do as individuals, because that's all churches, it's just you and me, it's us, is to commit ourselves to the mission and open up ourselves to the Holy Spirit, which if you're new to church, that might sound you know, weird. But the Holy Spirit is God. who He's the one who indwells those who believe and empowers us. And to open our life to God, the Holy Spirit, in a new way. So if we would bow our heads together. And let me encourage you, in light of all that's happening and all that God's doing in our world, if you're up for it, just say something like this to God. God, help me know what it looks like to be all in with what you're doing. In the end, I want my life to be about what really matters. And God, I give you my life. I, you say the only way to gain life is to lose it give it away for others. And so God, that's what I want. I want to be that kind of person. So God, help me give away my life for something bigger. Rescue me from a small, tiny, foolish, stupid life. God, just help me live for you. And then just say, God, and I, I want to open my life to your presence in my life in a powerful way, your spirit. I want to yield to you ask you to fill me with your power with your love with your mercy with your grace and pour it out god fill it to overflowing so that i pour it out everywhere you've placed me and god on behalf of our whole church god you know how messed up we are we're just such an imperfect church but i am so thankful that you love to use imperfects to do the impossible And so, God, would you help us to follow you into the future, to to love this community the way you've called us to love this community, to trust you the way you've called us to trust you, to be open to the new things that you will do, to reach a culture that's never existed, a post-pandemic world. We don't know how to do that. So, God, would you give us all the wisdom we need and all the humility we need and all the power and love that we need to be your people for this moment. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.